You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Good morning, City Church. It's our Blueprint Sunday. Um, my name's Mark, um, and great to be able to share with you um, some of what God is doing in amongst us. Because from the very beginning, we see that pulsing momentum of mission and multiplication of the glory of God throughout all of creation. Be fruitful, cultivate, create an invitation to partner in the work of the maker and sustainer. And though we mess up royally, God picks out one without much promise makes a pledge. I will bless you. I will multiply you, your people, for generation upon generation. And through them, I will bless every nation. God stakes his reputation on these chosen people for the restoration of all of creation. And so committed is God to his purpose that he rescues through plagues and Passovers and parting of waves, delivery from darkness, redemption, liberation through a reluctant leader and a flaky battalion, for this is who he is, a God who saves. This is what he does throughout every generation. And even when God's purposes couldn't be further from fruition, his rebellious people effectively beaten, this is where he renews that vision of hope and a future, inviting the people, the people to rejoin the mission, to build and to plant and trust God with the outcome that in his abundance he will provide, regather and restore, and that these things he is doing will last evermore. And then, out of centuries of silence, God sends his son, the one, doing and declaring the kingdom. In weakness, he's exalted. In defeat, he is crowned, dethroning death and darkness and rising the firstborn of a new creation, kicking off a whole new era of resurrection for all peoples as far as Achim or Haxby or Heslington. And from a place of ascension, he breathes out his spirit, a deposit guaranteeing where it's all heading igniting a movement of people kind of like us, not with anything to make much of us. Yet his beloved church, a body of all nations and passions, his chosen people, his treasured possession, to live the reality of God's rule in the present, to orientate towards that end of all things in Christ and everything made new. And 2,000 years later, he's animating us still, and calling us out to partner in his forever plan. But these things, you see, aren't ours to keep on track. It's God's initiative from first to last, his mandate for it, his name staked against it, his promise to prosper it, his blood that has guaranteed it, his spirit empowering it, and one day when he returns, he will finally complete it. His glorious eternal mission concluded in everlasting rest and banquet with people from every nation and all of creation wrapping up all of our efforts, struggles, successes, the seemingly significant, the unseen, the unhyped into a no-holds-barred celebration of glory forevermore in Christ. 
City Church, our blueprint, our mission, as it were, as the author Christopher Wright puts it, is nothing less or more than participating with God in his grand story until he brings it to guarantee climax. How good is that? That's so, so good. So we don't have to, or get to, in fact, make up our own adventure. But because of the unshakable purposes of God that we have been brought into, that gives us fertile ground to discern, to dream, to draw faith on that question, what is God doing in York City Church? And indeed, there are things stirring in us as leaders for our context, for our city, for this time. We've even heard prophetic words this morning of such, in light of God's forever purposes, to see City Church, this church growing week by week from new believers and worshippers, community life that is God-centered, authentic, and compelling, where our love is growing in depth and insight, able to persevere with joy through the knocks and shakes of life, where we're increasingly connected with God's big global mission, generously resourcing others and sending to churches around the world, where more and more men and women are equipped and released as gifts to the body and to the world in the way that God's uniquely fashioned them where we're actively placing ourselves alongside the outsider. We've heard some of that this morning already. Those who are poor, refugees, reflecting an increasingly diverse church community, where people are being pastored to be missionaries, where large numbers of children and young people are fully part of our body. God's already doing that, growing in love for God, being equipped and sent as followers of Jesus in their context, where prayer is our delight and our engine room, where our teaching and our actions are saturated with grace. To see this building brimming with full of kingdom life throughout the week, these are things that we eagerly desire. We pray for, we give ourselves to, but we don't have to force it. But we trust God. We orientate ourselves to participate in faith and receive that actually, in fact, God is at work powerfully in doing far more than we can, but far more abundantly even than we can ask or think, as the Paul, as Paul in um, the book of Ephesians writes. But for now, I want to outline a few concrete things that are going to be going on for us in the next few months. But I wanted to frame them in this way: as when we talk about gathering to pray, or in Sabbathing, or doing one anothering that these are dignified and lofty acts, part of the massive earth-shattering purposes of God that we can sometimes forget in the routine humdrum of, of church life, can't we? So firstly, this term, we're going to be uh, re-establishing some rhythms of grace for us. So we're going to be worshipping and praying fortnightly on a Sunday evening, starting this evening from 745 of welcoming students. It's going to be great. Student lunches, student adults events. Watch out for email this week for more details of that. Of baptisms and baby blessings for the first time in a long, long, long time on the 14th of November. So if you follow Jesus or you're interested, you want to follow him and you haven't been baptised, do it. Come and speak to, to me or one of the other guys at the, the front at the end. 
of the citadel bursting back into life with international student prayer evenings, teaching English classes, refugee drop-ins, range of gigs, all sorts of stuff, of opportunities to be proclaiming the gospel, praying for others, for a food bank distribution point on Saturdays, opening up a bit more. And from next week as well, we're also going to be tweaking Sunday slightly to hopefully enjoy a bit more of the richness of the gathered church. So we'll be reconfiguring reconfiguring downstairs uh, to enable us to be able to um, meet together across households without the requirement for social distancing downstairs, but with space on the balcony still for anyone who wants to participate while remaining socially distanced. We'll also be bringing communion back in the room um, and do this together as a whole body with the children returning at this point in the meeting after to preaching. So the the format will still largely continue a bit like it is is, is for now with the sort of um, worship and and, and preaching for an hour, but then, not preaching for the hour, worship, I'm preaching for the hour, um, (laughs) just to be clear. Um, But we will be extending the meeting for half an hour to have community time with one another, utilising the hall, the foyer and the balcony to provide space for chatting, praying, encouraging, building one another up, being real, rejoicing, mourning. Again, for anyone who doesn't feel as comfortable with this element uh, from a COVID perspective, very welcome to to head off at this point. And we'll continue to monitor... um, and respond to any government uh, COVID measures, as we know, um, can change all the time. But at the moment, the government encourages face masks in crowded settings, but ultimately leaves this to personal choice. We're not going to add our own personal uh, public health um, directive on this as elders, but let me therefore encourage us to show grace and love to one another in a body where people will have different views, they will have different needs, and they will make different choices. Let's be a people of love. Finally, for this term, I want to honour those who've been involved in leading small groups over the last year. Rob and Hannah, Max and Catherine, Paul and Rebecca, John and Naomi, Lydia, Peter and Nikki, Mike and Lucy, Andrew and Rachel, Lucy and Peter, John and Vicky, Phil and Rachel, Pete and Beth, Lucy and Dom, Kat and Sam, possibly others that I missed, but I think that's a fair, 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 fair lot. We love you guys. Like, we recognise your diligence, your thought, your prayer, your patience, the love that you've enriched the church with, particularly over this last rather tumultuous year in leading our small communities. You are such gifts to the body, and we're so, so grateful for you. And we also recognise that life has been pretty relentless for many of us. Even church life can feel like that, can't it? So following a Sabbath Sunday on the 31st of October, for November and December, we'll be having a, a Sabbath rest from official small group meetings. Now, for, for those of us who may feel the loss of that regularity of midweek connection point with community, there'll be weekly Wednesday socials open to anyone over those months and we'll share more specifics of this nearer the time. Now, this isn't a stopping of community, no, by no means. You can still invest in friendships. Let's, in fact, see this as opportunity to grow in loving one another in this time, being proactive in inviting others maybe into your home and your life. But I guess our, our heart in setting this pattern 
is that we want us to enter this into this not just an arbitrary break, but an intentional Sabbath that the Lord provides for us, and also in a preparing in freshness for some things that we want to give ourselves to all together in 2022. Which brings us nicely to 2022. Like creation reflects beauty and fruit of different seasons, we want to focus the community life intentionally over particular extended times in the new year. More than just going through the sort of regular weekly routines or doing occasional activity, but marinating, as it were, participating in that becoming, actively becoming as a whole people together over a number of weeks together. So firstly, from January to Easter, we'd like to invite you to join with us in a season of 100 days consecutive of prayer. I've been reading the book of Nehemiah recently, and in it we hear Nehemiah responding to the state of things around him, and the prospect of rebuilding, and that's a phrase that we hear quite a bit in the media at the moment, rebuilding. And what does he do? Does he, does he crack on? He does before anything else. He prays the implication for four months. And we'll be giving ourselves for 100 days of praying in a range of ways, together, in groups, on our own, probably have some equipping, times of fasting, family activities, fully immersing ourselves and anticipating what will God do? What will he birth in us and through us for his purposes in that season as we earnestly seek him? And then coming out of Easter and the resurrection life that flows from Jesus' own resurrection, we will be having a season focused on mission and reaching out believing that out of that season of seeking God, that he will be bringing forth new things, initiatives bursting with life, going and gathering, extending our community, salvation, joining in this deliberately and intentionally all together as a church. That could look like all manner of things. We don't want to predict exactly that at the moment, but it could be gathering people for a community choir or going out to offer prayer on the streets, food celebrations with refugees, multi-sports outreach. Let's see how God leads and prompts as we discern his voice. And alongside this, in April, we'll be having a season of giving financially, practicing resurrections with our bank balances, as it were. Now, if you're newish to City Church or this is your first week, um, you might have noticed that we don't take up an offering week by week. That's a deliberate choice rather than an oversight. We want to respond in grace and generosity, which many of us do in giving by direct debit or other means. And you can speak to me afterwards if you'd like to start doing that. But we also want to allocate that time in the new year, in April, to deliberately celebrating the over and above one-off giving to God and his purposes in York and throughout the world. So let me encourage you, be praying and preparing for that too. Now, I know that the last year has been tiring, disorientating for many. We come to September like, what? What is going on? But what a joy and a privilege to know that God carries and animates his church, 
his people, that he has done so eternally, and he has done it with people like us for centuries, for millennia. So let's take heart. Let's lean into what he is doing with us. Let's do so from a place of rest and grace. And be expectant for God to renew and form and use you and I and us all in all manner of new and surprising ways for his big, eternal, all-time purposes. I'll now hand over to Al, who will keep um, talking to us about what God's doing with us. So, uh, hi, welcome again. I'll add my welcome to Pete's and Mark's. My name's Alan, if you are new with us. Um, I'm one of the eldership team here. And uh, on this Blueprint Sunday, I'm reflecting on the fact that Susanna and I have lived in York for 14 years almost, which means that I've been on the staff team at City Church for 14 years. 14 years almost of being the lead elder and of being the sole full-time employee of York City Church. And even with all that experience under my belt, 14 years of ministry and being employed by the church, there's still something that I have to work really hard at uh, to keep in the right perspective. And what that is, is that what I do is not really a job in the ordinary sense of the word. You know, it's not a gig. Uh, This is a calling and a vocation. It's something like a lifestyle. It's ministry. It's not really a job in the ordinary sense. I'm not a professional. I mean, think about it. It's really hard, right, to be professionally compassionate or to be professionally prayerful or professionally prophetic. I mean, how what that looks like, I have no idea. It's a calling. It's a vocation. It's not really a job at all in a sense. One of the things that I've learned over 14 years of doing this is that God is faithful. Well, yeah, it's about the Christian life 101, isn't there? God is faithful. But what I mean more specifically is that I've learned to trust that when I do the things that God has specifically asked me as a person, as a senior leader, as an employee of the church, as a pastor, however you want to frame it, when I do the things that God has specifically asked me to do, he has always faithfully provided for what we as a church need. Now, I'm not under any illusion, and neither are you, that, that it all rests on my shoulders. Hallelujah, it doesn't. But as I've given myself to the things that God has asked me to do, he has provided all the things that we as a church need need. In practice, that has meant there have been some seasons that have been a little less comfortable than perhaps we would have liked, partly because I'm incompetent in certain areas. I wouldn't hide that at all. Uh, Sometimes we've had to walk through seasons where a load of things that it would have been really good for us to have had immediately right then, we've just had to be patient and wait and sort of have this delayed gratification because I can't do it and we haven't been able to, and so we've had to trust God Sometimes, honestly, I've just screwed it up and I've hurt you. And I'm sorry when I've done that, but at least it proves that I'm a man and not a pope. And so hopefully, from the depths of your heart, you can forgive my shortcomings. You know, there's been moments and times where, you know, things haven't gone along so well, where it's been difficult, but God has been faithful. 
Hudson Taylor, who many of you would have heard of, the great missionary pioneer to China, once said, God's work done in God's way will not lack God's supply. I think he was talking about money, actually, specifically money for the inland China mission that he was establishing. But I've always thought that it really works for everything. It works for everything in the Christian life. It works for everything in church life, everything in ministry. God's work done in God's way won't lack God's supply. And so it does my soul some good, if we take Hudson Taylor's thing as a rubric, some kind of measurement, to look around today after 14 years. Here we are in a kick-ass building. Like we were meeting in a hovel. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite the four Yorkshiremen, you know, I wish we, hovel would have been luxury. <laughs> but it was, you know, we had some pretty creaky venues and God has provided for us. Here we are after 14 years. We've got a steady, mature, responsible, mainly <laughs> eldership team that loves one another and has been together for sort of seven or eight years now. We've got a great team of deacons. We've got a staff team now that is the envy of the, the Christ Central Yorkshire region churches. We've got an amazing worship team. We've got phenomenal kids workers. We've got awesome stuff going through the whole church. We've already heard about the wonderful small group leaders. God has been really faithful. And if God's work done in God's way doesn't lack God's supply, then something's going right. I don't think everything's going right. We haven't got it all right, but I think God is doing some things and it's evidences of his favor and his grace upon us. And in that, I at least celebrate. Now, one of the surprising things personally that God has asked me to do in the last 14 years is to begin to study. Uh, I gave up full-time education in 1993 at the age of 17, about six and a half weeks into my A-levels. And I thought really for the rest of my life that, that that ship had sailed now, education was gone. Until God opened the door for me the same year that we secured the Citadel in 2015, God opened the door for me graciously to start a degree. Um, and so at the age of 39, I was an undergrad, which was quite a kicker. I didn't really engage in Freshers' Week or anything like that. You'll be probably glad to hear there was no dad dancing. Um, but I did begin a degree full-time over two years, full-time, as well as leading the church full-time uh, in Durham. Uh, and it nearly killed me, and it nearly cooked Susanna's mind. Um, but, but we got through that, and it was wonderful, and it was really exciting. And then it didn't stop, because after a couple of years, there was a, a, week, a year off, and then I, I began a, a master's in theology in Durham, which I completed last year. Now, you might think, that's a little bit crazy. How, how, what on earth happened to the church while you were swanning off to Durham and studying? Well, God's work, God's way, God's supply. The same autumn that I began the degree in Durham, God spoke to Mark Olty, who you've heard from this morning, about giving a day a week to the staff team. And so Mark came on staff. And when I was going to Durham, Mark was here. And Mark began leading the staff team here, uh, and participating as an elder on the staff team in a, in a, in a more, in, in a, an increased capacity, I guess. And then when I started my master's, amazingly, Mark re, like, resumed his employment after a year off. And so it all kind of coincided. God's just been faithful through the years 
And I've learned personally that when I do the things as a leader that God's asked me to do, that God will provide, that he's faithful. Can I do everything? No. Should I do everything? No. Should I do what Jesus asked me to do? Yes. And will God provide? Yes. And so the journey is not over. You might think, oh gosh, here we go. But in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be starting a PhD in Durham under the supervision of Walter Mobley, who has sat, rather than stood, and preached in this very room. And it's going to take me six years to complete, because it's a part-time course. Susanna said that she would kill me and chop up my body into small pieces and post them around the four corners of the country if I did another full-time course. She didn't really, but she did say she'd beat me up. Um, I'm starting a PhD. Uh, and now, six years sounds like a long time, but hey, there's no hurry. I'm not in a hurry. I, I don't have to do this to get a job. It's not like the trustees have gone, right, Rose, you need to actually do, get some qualifications to, you know, to make us keep you on staff for the next 14 years. Nothing of the sort. I'm still going to be leading the eldership team. I'll still be on the staff team. I'll still be preaching regularly. Sorry and leading prayer meetings and all the stuff that I have been doing, but my study time will be a lot more focused on a particular topic, if you like. And it's all right, I'm not going to bore you with it this morning. I have tried explaining to a couple of people, and after about 30 seconds seeing the curtains close in their brain, I thought, yeah, I'll stop there. Uh, so that's going, to be, that's going to be me. It's going to be, it's going to be tough work, I'm sure, but it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. And that's true, actually, on a whole bunch of levels. In essence, I'm starting a PhD because I love Jesus and because I really believe it's what Jesus wants me to do. And he's made that really clear in a whole bunch of ways over the last few years that continue to surprise me, actually. I still feel like the 17-year-old who just dropped out of his A-levels, to be honest with you. Somebody's going to blow the whistle on me any minute. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You're going to get found out. But it's not happened yet. I'm starting a PhD because I love the church, right? It's a strong personal conviction of mine as a leader that the Christian church deserves leaders who have gone as deep as they possibly can do in studying scripture, theology, and articulating faith in God for a secular world and for a church that exists in a secular world. And so out of love for the church, it's six years of serious investment to equip you better, to equip the elders better. They really need it. It's a labor of love that is shared with Christ Central, our family of churches. Um, we've talked this all through with Jeremy Simpkins and Graham Anns from the Christ Central team. And they very generously said that, not only said, yes, our Go for it. We believe in you. We believe that this is God's will for you, and it's God's will for City Church. They've also said, we believe in you that much that we're going to part fund it with Susanna and you so that, so that you're not kind of burdened with the financial responsibility too badly. Wow. Super generous. And out of a labor of love, then, it's very much my expectation that over the years, that investment will be repaid in much serving of Christ Central as a movement 
as a teacher, as someone who brings clarity, hopefully, and input theologically in all kinds of ways to the Christ Central team. So it's a labor of love. And here I am again learning that God's work done in God's way won't lack God's supply because as we've chatted this all through together with Jeremy Simpkins, as we chatted it through as an eldership team, God's been speaking to Mark Holt. Mark, why is it you? God always speaks to you. Maybe it's because you listen. Um, but God's been speaking to Mark Holty again. And, and Mark is quitting his job at York St. John and is coming on staff at City Church full time as of this autumn. I think that's awesome news, don't you? And uh, now, right, you clapped for him. So I see where your loyalties lie. <laughs> it's great. Now, I want you to know that it's a big sacrifice for Mark and Em, and they've not done it lightly. Mark's a serious boy, and he, boy, man. I'm like my mum. My mum goes, oh, they're all boys to me. Mark's, Mark's taken this really seriously, him and Emily. They've prayed, they sought God, they prayed and fasted. They, they went to God with, should we do this? And the answer is, yeah, we should, because we believe God. We love the church. We love what God is doing here. And I really want you to understand something. Mark's not coming on staff to make up for some shortfall from me doing a PhD. Because Mark is not me version two. Mark is Mark. And if you know anything about me, and if you know anything about Mark, you'll know that we are different kinds of bloke with different skills and gifts and abilities. And what Mark brings to the staff team and the eldership and the church is different to me but what's happening here is that as God speaks to me and as, as I begin to be stretched outward and into something new, God's doing the same with Mark. And God will do the same with you because God doesn't just do something in the, the leaders of the church and it's their thing. He does something in all of us. And so what I hope is that you'll be inspired and filled with fresh faith that God is doing a work of stretching, growing, increasing capacity and output, and effectiveness, and all of that kind of stuff. As we all respond in faith, God is doing a big thing. It's beautiful. Now, one of the things that we wrestled with a bit as an eldership, as we worked this all through together, was that for some time now, we've been praying for a kids worker for the staff team. And we did note the irony, hang on a minute, we're just about to take Mark on for an extra three days a week, and we've been asking God, for a kid's worker, well, first thing to say is that God is not a computer that you tap in a question and get an automated response. He's not some kind of machine. God is free to say yes or no to your prayers. But again, God's work, done in God's way, won't lack God's supply. When you do faithfully the things that God gives you to do, he provides because he's faithful and because this is his thing. And so, wonderfully, just as we had reached agreement together that Mark was going to join the staff team full-time, an email dropped from Naomi Davies, who you will know in the church. She's out there doing kids' work at the moment. Naomi said, God's been speaking to me, and I feel a bit nervous asking, but I feel that God wants me to volunteer a day a week to, to coordinate all the kids' work in City Church. I literally, literally jumped up and down for joy in the kitchen I mean, I was taking let the dog out for a wee. It was, it was half past 10. Susanna had gone to bed. Zach was asleep. I was letting the dog out. I thought, I'll just check my emails. 
Susanna's like, what are you doing? Let me tell you, what's God doing? So come October, Naomi joins the staff team voluntarily, a day a week. So we have got our cake and eat it, effectively. (laughs) I start a PhD in October. Mark increases his hours this autumn. Naomi starts this October. God is doing something. His work done his way will not lack his supply. Now, Mark's already alluded to it. This season's been rubbish, hasn't it? Let's just be honest. Since last March, it's been pants, like thoroughly. And being a church leader has been rubbish this last 18 months. For all kinds of reasons, it's been rubbish. I emerged, probably went into, came into September, even after summer holidays, where you're supposed to come into things feeling a bit refreshed, I felt knackered. I felt battered and bruised after all the lockdown stuff. I felt really shot to bits in terms of confidence, to tell you the truth, for all manner of reasons. My confidence as a leader felt about that deep. But God, in his mercy, has poured in love and grace and faith and vision. And this morning, I'm standing before you, telling you what's happening, not giving you news just blandly, but sharing with you in the hope that it will stir your faith. And I'm saying, I am ready to go. I'm ready to roll. Are you? Are you good to go? I know it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Do, 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 do. But it's time to go again. And I want to urge you with all of my heart, if there's any lingering bit of cynicism and unbelief rattling around in your heart and your mind, when you get home from church this morning, drag it out into the yard and shoot it in the head. And then burn the body and toss it into a deep lake. Because that kind of stuff will rob you of the joy and the the sense of delight and faith and wonder of being a participant together in the things that God is doing with us, his people. By the mercies of God, things are good. God's at work. I'm good to go again. We're good to go as an eldership. Let's be good to go as a church. Let's launch into this season full of excitement and faith. Not just excitement, not just frothy bubbles, but a sense of, yes, God. God's at work. Make use of the Sabbath season to recharge spiritually, to lean on Jesus' bosom, to hear his heart beat again. Do whatever he gives you in this season with all your heart. For his work, done in his way, will not lack his supply, ever. It hasn't, it doesn't, it won't. So be bold, be confident, and let's see what he does in this season together. Pete. Let's stand, and we're going to draw our meeting to a close together by praying, um, and we will also be drawing our meeting to a close um, as we leave by sharing bread and wine together. And I just want to lead us in, in how we do that. Um, a couple of things to say before that, uh, just to reiterate again tonight, we are praying, 7.45 here. Why don't you come along um, and uh, be uh, filled with faith again, uh, worship Jesus. Uh,
be with others who love him and uh, hear from him. Uh, our prayer meetings are um, exciting and fun. Uh, they are by no means dull. Uh, we're going to have a great time this evening. Please come and join us. Um, we haven't talked a whole ton about finances uh, today. Uh, we, we often do at Blueprints, but we'll be sending out some separate stuff around church finances, just a kind of an annual sort of thing um, via email. So just in case anyone was missing out the bar charts and pie charts, uh, they will be coming in an email. Um, but let's, let's bow our heads uh, and let's close in prayer and invite Jesus again to be working in us. Lord, we think about Paul's uh, words of Abraham, uh, that Abraham grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. And we so desire to grow strong in faith. Let us go through that means, Lord, of giving glory to you, of praising you, of worshipping you. May we leave this place. May we be sent out from this building with hearts just bursting with love for our Saviour, bursting with gratitude for what he's done for us. And as we leave, Lord, uh, eating your body and drinking your blood, as we leave taking this meal that churches across the city and churches throughout history have used as a way to remember you, Lord Jesus, may it be to us good food for our body, mind, and soul. May it be to us the strength and grace we need for brokenness and difficulty. May it be to us a sign of your everlasting steadfast love. May it be to us all the grace that we need. Jesus, you are so good and so true. We love you. Thank you for all you have done for us. Send us out in your power and your Holy Spirit to live and work for your praise and glory. We pray now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. See you tonight or next week. <laughs>